Welcome to Raining Words with Shelby. I am your host, Shelby Lawson, and our main objective is to motivate, inspire, and encourage. Today, I have the privilege of having a conversation with the fascinating Dr. Mia McNeil, board-certified psychiatric mental health professional. Let's dive right in with Dr. Mia. I am so happy that you said yes. I am just, I miss you so much. I miss seeing your face. And I just, you know, we, our relationship had just started. And then there were some obstacles. And then you had to um, uh, move um, back to your family and uh, your native Montreal, which I totally understand. But I feel dated and and cheated because we didn't get to go where I'm sure our relationship could have gone. Um, Distance is um, sometimes an obstacle, but I plan to not let that happen between the two of us. I feel the same. First off, thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, I feel like in, in my own way, I always felt like a connection with you. And I always felt like it was going somewhere. Yeah. And um, I do believe that distance um, does not have to be a barrier to that. No, so, no. And I think today is one of those examples. Yes, that was just the, it, there was just a connection and we were always rushed. Uh, we And the only time we really, we met at Greater Shiloh for the listeners. We met at Greater Shiloh in Eastern Pennsylvania. And we really, we brought we saw each other and we were cordial and we really didn't spend time with each other until we just happened upon to be at a book club at the same time. And, and it was just an amazing time. And then I think it was shortly after that, uh, you started preparing to, to leave us. And, um, we, it's, it's been a good, it's been a great loss because of your move. So we miss you tremendously. Uh, Thank you. But you know, there's one, exception to that because we did meet uh at your boutique yes we did spend uh this was a nice afternoon i I don't know how many hours i was there but we did chat it up yes we did chat it up we did we did (laughs) i love it and i love the fact that my boutique has sort of become a gathering place for women to just express and talk and have tea and just relax and i'm very proud of that very very proud of that so montreal native uh when did you come to the states that's one thing there's a lot of things i don't know about you and we were like we were saying we were just getting ready to go deeper and um life happened but when did you move to the states what you remember what year that was i believe it was 2002 oh okay okay and it was uh work or you had already did you move for love that's what i was gonna ask you was for love you know I met my husband and I was you know in Canada he was in the U.S. Uh-huh. I must say we were perfect strangers but uh-huh. you know God had his plan absolutely um, and when he um you know I one day he said you know well he introduced me to his friend and said she's going to be my wife and I'm looking at him like oh okay okay <laughs> I didn't know that we were doing that and it's about five months later uh he said you know why don't you move in? Why don't you move to the U.S.? Mm-hmm. And he said, we'll get engaged, we'll get married, and we'll start a life. And I moved in May, 
and he surprised me with an engagement ring uh, on Bed Me in a five-star restaurant in August. Wow. And the following year, we got married. Amazing. Listen, I tell I tell the single women all the time, when a man knows, he knows. That is sort of the way my husband and I were. Um, I met him on a Friday, and by Monday, he had already called his family and said, I met my wife. So I just, I just want to encourage the single ladies that when a man, you don't have to give him 10 years of your life. When a man knows, he's coming for you, and he will make everything easy and make it happen for you. That's an amazing story. That's wonderful. And and so you moved to the United States and then you decided to pursue your career. Were you already in the mental health field or did it, was it, um, what, what catapulted you because you have just soared in the in the psychiatric field so what what really was it a passion of yours or were there was there a personal um event that uh sparked your curiosity with mental health yeah great question so you know i believe that my passion found me Mm -hmm. um i'm someone who's always been um a caregiver at heart mm-hmm. and before entering into nursing as a nursing student in th- 2006 uh, I worked as a sales consultant in a um, for GE bioscience oh. uh, and my career was actually going well and I was growing and then we moved from New Jersey to Pennsylvania and the commute was not realistic with right. three small children at the time mm-hmm. and so I made the difficult decision to say okay so I'm going to take a step back. I was home for about a year, and my husband and my mom convinced me to consider nursing. Um, and after some reflection and shadowing at St. Luke's, mm-hmm. um, I realized that nursing was more than about bodily fluids. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, that the, the caring component literally captivated me, and I felt that I belonged there. And so not long after, I applied um, to NAC, mm-hmm. and there's definitely a process with that. I was accepted, and that's where my uh, nursing journey started as a student. Mm-hmm. And for the next 10 years, I would be in school wow. with no break besides <laughs> one summer in 2015. So I went from uh, literally an associate in nursing, mm-hmm. then went to Kutztown, got my bachelor's right away. And then pursued with a master's and doctorate at Rutgers University. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, uh, over a span of 10 years. And I did not stop and did not look back. Uh, got to do a lot in that span of 10 years. Uh, I fell into academia 10 years ago mm-hmm. um, and continue to pursue that as well. So it's been a very interesting journey. Uh, and certainly I feel like God has opened the right doors at the right time. He aligned me with the right people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been a very rich career so far. Um, and a caveat, you mentioned psychiatry. Um, early on, I knew that I wanted to work with disenfranchised people. I always had my heartstrings pull for the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I did my first clinical in uh, mental health, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. We are, as nurses, as nursing students, we're discouraged from going into psych first. They always say, go to med surge, get your skills, mm-hmm. and then if you really like mental health, do it. Um, God had a different plan. I was, I had a contract with Beehive Valley on their um, cardiac, regional cardiac unit, mm-hmm. 
and recession hit, contract got canceled, still got my school paid for, and I went right into psychiatric nursing at Kids Peace. And that's where my psychiatric nursing journey started. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Yes, yes, that's that was amazing. In and at Kids Peace, they are primarily youth, correct? Yes, yes. So mm-hmm. I started working with the youth, loved it, uh, worked in a residential care uh, clinical model. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite frankly, I was able to get my skills there. And uh, being who I am, I felt like I really wanted to feel comfortable with all ages. So I transitioned to um, Warren Hospital, which is Mm -hmm. now St. Luke's Warren, Mm -hmm. uh, working with adults. Um, And then I went to the VA, a door opened there. Um, And and during that time, I also worked uh, in long-term care um, at Graysdale Nursing Home, doing nursing supervision quite early, actually, in my nursing career. Wow. So, yes, lots of uh, lots of opportunities, and I was open to that because I really wanted to have a strong foundation mm-hmm. that would allow me more options in the future. Wow. I know that uh, mentoring is very important to you. Along this journey, did you have a mentor? And if so, what was the impact of that mentor, and are you presently mentoring anyone? That is a wonderful question. So, I am passionate about mentoring and early in my career, I was complaining that I felt I did not have a mentor, <laughs> but I was looking in the wrong place mm-hmm. because there was someone who had been so consistent um, and, and very supportive of me understanding. And that was my husband. And he had been my mentor when I did not realize that he was. Oh. And at some point, because I was constantly saying, I wish I had a mentor, but I was looking in nursing. And my husband was in the police field, mm-hmm. finished his career as an assistant police chief. Mm-hmm. And he had so many skills and transferable skills to actually what I was doing. And so he mentored me every um, obstacle, opportunity, uh, conflict resolution, how to, um, you know, one of his lines, I never forget. One day I was complaining about a situation at work and he said, Babe, do you want to be liked or do you want to be respected? Oh. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, I want to be liked. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I want everyone to like me. But these are the kind of questions he would ask me. And it, I would have to sit back and really ponder. So I actually had him as my mentor. And then we would say it. Wow. Like, babe, like you, you're my mentor. And, and we, we agreed that this was the right fit for me. And, you know, vicariously through my career, people would be drawn to me. And I think from starting to teach LPNs first and mm-hmm. then RNs and then at the master's and now doctoral level, I was always exposed to people who were gravitating towards me and just, you know, I'm open with my personal life to an extent. Mm-hmm. And um, people felt inspired. So they would come and ask questions. I'll give you one example. Last Monday, I get a phone call from a number that I do not recognize, Mm -hmm. but it was a Houston-based number. So I pick up the phone, and it's a young lady, and she says, hi, uh, Mia, it's so-and-so. I said, oh, my. She says, do you remember me? I said, absolutely. And I said, how long has it been? It has been 10 years. Wow. 
Wow. And I was a nursing supervisor at night at Graysdale Nursing Home. And she was a nursing assistant. And she says, guess what? I finally finished nursing school. She wow. said, it took me forever. Mm-hmm. And she says, you always told me that if I ever needed a reference, that I could call you. And wow. here was the phone call 10 years later. I'm sure so, that almost brought you to tears because absolutely. we... I'm having chills. <laughs> yes, we recognize that somebody's always watching. When you have walked into your gifting, the acknowledgement, I mean, not not that we're walking around looking and seeing who's watching us, but we are aware. And however, we may not know who it is. We are aware that somebody somewhere is watching. And what an amazing gift for her to call you and ask for a reference she thought of you and she probably had to find you she probably had to find you because you have moved (laughs) yes yes but but i said the same number but i could not and she was actually quoting things that i've said to her yes during her own you know journey of look you know dealing with school and home life and Mm -hmm. and work Mm -hmm. things that i don't remember saying but it sounded like me (laughs) (laughs) and the fact that she trusted my yes. word yes. 10 years later yes. amazing so it's amazing I was so blessed to be able to, and I I told absolutely and you know it's my honor to stand in that gap especially for minoritized groups absolutely people of color mm-hmm. I believe in opening doors in, in paying it forward for others mm-hmm. so I love to be in that position where I can support people in that way and that is an absolutely amazing place to be it just it increases your gratitude. It just, it gives you life just to know that you've impacted just, just one. That's all it takes yeah. is one. That's it. But I wanted to also go to you, go to the conversation of your VA experience. My father-in-law, excuse me, <clears throat> my father-in-law, my father, my brother-in-law, my uncles, etc., all veterans. Share with me your VA because in your impeccable resume, <laughs> um, it says that you taught at the VA school. And I was just curious to know if while you were teaching there, if you were able to witness any of the mental health statuses of some of the veterans, because my, I remember as a child, when my uncle came back from Vietnam, the damage and the mental health needs that were not met, um, it literally killed him. And um, I was just wondering if by chance, while you were teaching, you had the, um, I want to say, uh, for lack of a better word, if you ha- got to experience some of the veterans while you were there. Yeah, great question. Actually, I did. Okay. You know, the way I actually fell into teaching, I was a registered nurse for one of the VA programs mm-hmm. uh, in Lyons, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that my supervisor at the time identified me as someone that he saw uh, with a great potential for education. Mm-hmm. So I was appointed as the education liaison for our department. And part of that role was to get um, training from, you know, the training department, wherever they were in East Orange in the VA, mm-hmm. and bring all of this material back and then teach all of the psychiatric uh, nurses mm-hmm. and uh, other clinical staff. Mm-hmm. So I was actually first in the role of registered nurse. So I did work 
closely with veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, saw a lot of a lot of post traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one thing that pained me was the long term side effects of medications that were necessary to stabilize them. Right. But at the same time took away some of their physical health. Wow. Because if you are on lithium for 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to have an impact on your kidneys. It yes. will. Yes. But then we're looking at this risk um, benefit ratio. And is it still the right thing to do if we want to give someone this quality of life that they absolutely deserve? So being that I was in a program uh, where folks were, our veterans stayed with us for a minimum of like one month mm-hmm. to two, three months. This was really a residential program. Mm-hmm. But some of the other veterans that I was able to um, uh, work with uh, were in programs that were, I will say, almost lifelong. Like we had people who were there for years. Wow. And so we get to see, you know, the long-term effects of the illness, but also the medication, the toll that the medication take on the body. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of our veterans, you know, you know, end up with no support. Right. That's true. Because the illness can really affect, you know, of course, your relation, your interpersonal relationships, the family relationships. Mm-hmm. When people don't understand the illness, you know, it can become very isolating. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I saw a lot of isolation, um, a lot of despair. And mm-hmm. they come to the VA and very often they find a family there. Yes. They find people that understand them because now their experience, they, their journey is alongside the same people that were there on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were able in many ways to afford them a, a safe place, wonderful. not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had the wonderful opportunity of doing my uh, uh, hospital rotation at Great Lakes Naval Hospital in um, North Chicago, Illinois. And some of the relationships that um, I developed with the servicemen were just amazing. And I'm very, very grateful that this was a time, there was no wartime at the time. So they were uh, on base and I was on base with them. They were very respectful young men. They, they just, I just, my heart, I have a heart for veterans because our, I don't want to go on a, a bashing of our government, but we really need to do better with taking care of our veterans. And yes. I just, it, it saddens me. It just yeah. really, it really breaks my heart, particularly because uh, our family has been impacted with most of the men being veterans um it just it's just been it's been a journey yeah yeah but i also wanted to tap into you know lately mental health has been um it's always been important but lately it has been placed in the forefront and i was just curious your thoughts on what do you think uh catapulted it into such like the media covers it so gracefully now what do you think has placed um mental health on the forefront of so many people's minds Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. great question i think the pandemic has a lot to do with that okay um you know the pandemic um has unfortunately uh, caused a lot of issues 
if you just look, there's so many angles I could take to answer this, but if you just consider, you know, the confinement period mm-hmm. and people being in isolation from one another, but also considering the folks who are going through abuse in the homes, mm-hmm. we saw a spike in the abuse towards children. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard a lot of issues with uh, domestic violence and battery. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of anxiety around employment status. Yes. There was a lot of anxiety around uh, the essential workers, the, the frontline workers. So mm-hmm. everyone was affected directly or indirectly um, on f- from a mental health standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is what I call the pandemic within the pandemic. Uh, yes. Mental health was its own crisis. Um, you know, within this public health crisis or emergency. Mm-hmm. And so we could no longer ignore the toll that it was taking on all Americans and right. not just Americans, but around the world. Mm-hmm. So we saw a lot more focus and a lot of more money, um, you know, uh, redirected mm-hmm. to make sure that we can actually support folks who are supporting us Mm -hmm. during Mm -hmm. these hard times. Mm -hmm. I think telehealth has been one of the answers. Uh, We quickly had to readjust uh, when it comes comes to the healthcare system, how we're going to deliver care, Mm -hmm. Uh, physical care, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Just PCPs, how we're going to answer the demand while keeping people safe. And so I think uh, telehealth, happens to be one of the answers to uh, making sure that we're supporting people. Um, the restrictions have been lifted. Lots of waivers have been giving, mm-hmm. given so that um, providers are paid uh, for services that they are providing remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to meet the demand as much as we can, but there is a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. And that I'm glad you answered. You you took the next step. That, that was going to be my next question is how has COVID affected and affected the mental health industry and the providers and how you give care? But you answered that wonderfully. So thank you so very much. Yeah, absolutely. I just love, I love, love, love seeing you. You're an amazing nurse and medical professional, but I also love seeing your relationship with your daughters and your beautiful doggy, Jason. Um, I, 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 in order to encourage other women, how having four daughters, (laughs) How could you or how would you encourage them to pursue their dreams, even though they have families and husbands and a house household to hold down and all of that? I just in my mind, you've done an amazing job accomplishing your academic and clinical uh, goals. But in some of our minds, we're thinking, when did she sleep? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but if there are any, in conclusion, if there are any words that you'd like to share with the audience of how to attain those goals and um, how to stay focused and reach them. Mm-hmm. Well, first, to attain a goal, you have to have goals. Yes. You know, I think, you know, we can be in a, a dream state and dreaming of a lot of things. But when you set a goal in mind, you also are going to have other things in place, such as, you know, a timeline, which mm-hmm. is very important because then you have a start point and you know where you're going. Right. For me, my personal experience, um, I had a support system. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much sometimes having a lot of people. It's having the right people mm-hmm. with the right intentions. Um, and I go back to my mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, my husband was 
such a great support. If mm-hmm. I'm able to do what I do today, it's because there was a lot of sacrifices made. Mm-hmm. Um, I did sleep. Uh, I <laughs> happened to not need a lot of sleep to function. Um, so, you know, I was great with that. But, you know, you know, all of our stories and our limitations and beers are different. Right. My, my husband cooked for us. So I was not the mom that came home and that had to figure out what are we eating tonight. Okay. That had never been a concern, uh, thankfully. Uh, my husband was a very hands-on dad. Mm-hmm. He loved, and he was a military man too. Mm-hmm. So he loved doing the laundry. He like People would be very surprised to see that he was an accomplished um, assistant police chief. He was in academia. He taught at Rutgers. But he held us down. Mm-hmm. So that support system for me was vital to me being able to do what I wanted to accomplish. When it comes to the girls, I think that it's important for me to model. But for us, it was important as parents to model. Mm-hmm. Not just them seeing us going to work every day and being responsible, but engaging them in dialogue about this real world. Yes. world. Yes. But then in that conversation, there was always God. Yes. Um, we are a family that prays together. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying it. We actively do it. Mm-hmm. Um, when came, January 1st came around and my third daughter, Alexis, says, Mom, you've not talk, told us anything about the fast yet. I'm like, thank you, babe, for reminding me. Mm-hmm. So right every January, we get into our Daniel fast. Mm-hmm. And what it does, it's not just about, you know, setting you know, a precedent for the year, but it's also about spending of quality time mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. so we changed the, the name of our devotion time to family time nice. because this is when we sit together and we talk and you know you would think these family session um prayers would last 15 minutes we sometimes are there for an hour and a half mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because everyone has something to say and contribute mm-hmm. so i found that having a support system people who understand you and we'll have compassion for you because mm-hmm. there's good days and then there's a lot of challenges mm-hmm. on keeping God first. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, you know, telling the real story um, because it's not easy. I don't want to make it seem like it was easy. It was not. Absolutely you know, not. Yeah. You know, set some goals, keep God first, having that support system, but always keeping also, you mentioned gratitude. Mm-hmm. Two of my big words are gratitude and self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what uh, it seems that I may not have, really being thankful for what I do have and mm-hmm. how things could be, but also self-compassion because that's a gift that I can only give to myself. Right. So recognizing the season and recognizing my limitations in that season and being okay with uh, with the timing of God. Amen, Mia. You know, this has, I, I'm so grateful. I had said initially, just give me 30 minutes and we could go on forever and ever because there's just so much. Your life is a testimony to so many who think that in the midst of tragedy or in the midst of of adversity, um, they crumble and your life has been such an amazing example. I'm extremely proud of you. So this is one of the reasons I wanted you to be the first out of the gate for Raining Words with Shelby, because I know you are going to change people's lives just by having this conversation i hope my prayer is that someone is listening and they said wow if she did it i can do it too and it's just that simple just make up your mind that you can do it and go for it and make sure make sure you have like you said you don't have to have a 
whole tribe. Just make sure you have the right tribe. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And, yes. and you can be successful. So I am just extremely proud of you. I'm, you. I'm saddened because you're not physically in my presence anymore, but you're always in my heart. You're always on my mind. I'm always thinking of the four girls and they're just absolutely gorgeous. Thank and, you. and they're growing up right before us. So I appreciate you. I am always here for you. Thank you. If you ever need, but it seems like Canada is doing you well. Oh, while while I have you on the phone, because so many Americans um, always speak of moving to Canada because of the health care. Since I have you with me, why don't you speak of the differences between health care in the United States and Canada? Do you want me to be really candid? Yeah, absolutely. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. You um, guys so hear that. It's coming from someone who's has experienced it and is experiencing it now. Yeah, there's a lot of nuances. Mm -hmm. You know, there's free health care, but I'm not even going to talk about the quality of the care, the access to oh, care. Okay. You know, we've been here for a year and a half, and uh, I've yet to find a PCP. Uh, this wow. morning, uh, I was at the dentist with my daughter, and I have a close relationship with the dentist. And I said, Dr. Q, you're a doctor, so I know you have doctor friends, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I tell her, what, can you help us? She says, Mia, even with my son, like things have changed. You have to go to this place and fill out an application. I said, I know. I filled out the application a year and a half ago. Wow. And she said, yep. And I had a little health scare back in April, and I had to drive myself across the border to go to my PCP um, in upstate New York. Wow. Luckily, <laughs> you know, I work for an American organization. Uh, I have been blessed to be able to work across border, uh -huh. across border, but I, we still very much get our care from the U.S., believe it or not. Wow. So, and that's because the access to care is very difficult, the, the wait list. Um, and I'm talking about real life experience here. Right. Um, you know, I have a friend who had a, a cancer scare uh, because I have friends in the hospital system in oncology. Mm -hmm. um, we were able to get him seen within a few weeks mm -hmm. instead of nine months. Wow. And this is someone with a nod nodules uh, on his right lungs and we're trying to get more answers. Wow. But this is someone of a certain age, too. And I did notice a disparity with how quick. Uh, younger people can get seen compared to, you know, people of a certain age. Right. So it makes you wonder how the system oh, yeah. is really set up. Yeah. So I have some concerns. Mm -hmm. I will say on the positive end of things, I have a very close family member who was, well, my little brother was very sick when we were young. Mm -hmm. um, he was affected with hemophilia and he's mm -hmm. still in a case study. Mm -hmm. But this is a, one of the success stories of the healthcare system where my parents never had a single medical bill. Wow. And I can say that my little brother lived at the hospital because he was in need of so many transfusions mm -hmm. every week. Mm -hmm. um, and I was inpatient very, um, very so often. Mm -hmm. And my parents did not end up with a single medical bill. So it can work for you. Right. But I think there's a lot of nuances to how the system can work effectively for uh, every single individual. Okay. So that's okay. been my lived experience. Thank you so much for sharing that because, you know, people have a misconception and a lack of knowledge when it comes to healthcare in Canada. So yes. 
thank you for giving us that perspective and hopefully that can help someone. So I was almost about to end the call, but then that came to my mind. So thank you so much. For, thank yeah, you so much. Cause you hear it all the time. And I'm like, you know what? The grass is not always green on the other side. You better make sure you do your research. So your research. Absolutely. well, thank you so much. And I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you for joining raining thank words with Shelby. Me. It's just amazing to talk to you. Thank you. Continued success to you, Shelby. And I will see you soon enough. Um, I'm not giving up on my Easton family. Please don't. We're still here for you and love you and care for you and have an amazing fast. I, speaking of fasting, um, I get such clarity. Mm. It's powerful. If I could fast the whole year, I would do that because I, God just gives my spirit everything it needs during the fast. That's why I'm doing it too. Clarity. It's yes. so true. We'll yeah. have to get that one on another. Uh, we'll get that one. Uh, thank you so much for topic. your time. Love you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Okay, love you too. Thank bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. I'm sending out a huge thank you to Dr. Mia McNeil for joining us today and sharing her journey. We so appreciate her. Thank you, doctor.